welcome to Up To and Including Death. My name is Dr. Patricia Brewer. And I'm John Brewer. And I am Stephen Gross. And we are here with a crying dog who wanted to go to bed early. It's not early. This is past her bedtime. No, it's 8 o'clock. It's 8.14 now. It's 8.14. But she really wanted to go to bed at like 7.45. She got put to bed. And so now she's going to cry. But she was going to bark and cry regardless. Yes, because we're in here talking. Irregardless of whether oh, we're... Yeah. <laughs> so we're all full of delicious Chinese food from Ming's Asian Bistro. Shout out to one of the local Houghton Chinese restaurants. Which, when Stephen and I had gone to Hunan Garden, a Chinese, a local Chinese restaurant that tastes a little better. While we were there, I got a text message telling me that I should have eaten at Ming's. It's like, oh, you should have lunch at Ming's. Remember oh, yeah. that? That was weird. But anyway, we had dinner at Ming's. It was great. We got to tell your parents about Baby. Yeah. Who is a wiggle worm. We got to see it this week on uh, on the big screen of yeah. little, the doctor's office. A little strawberry. A little strawberry uh, is getting bigger by the day. It's very wiggly. And I'm really excited about it. So, John, what are we doing today? We are watching Eyes Without a Face. Eyes Without a Face. That's very exciting. Could you tell us a little bit what it's about? I could. It's about a surgeon who causes an accident which leaves his daughter disfigured and goes to extreme lengths to give her a new face. So I know that this sounded familiar to me and I know that I haven't seen it in French, but I found out a secret about it. It was. It came out in the United States in 1962 as the horror cabinet of Dr. Faustus. And I've seen that movie, the dubbed version. Have you? Yes. Oh, that I, was also edited as well, too. Oh, yeah. So I've seen a ver- the horror chamber of Dr. Faustus is what I saw. Probably with Nana and Daddy Dick, who watched a lot of horror movies. Yeah, they did. And I didn't realize that our grandparents did that because it was just old movies. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff that I watched with them is like really fucked up. And it's probably this too. It's so probably I saw that. the Omen for the first time. Really? <laughs> I'm like they're just into that sort of thing, and it just didn't. You don't think about that when uh, you're like with your grandparents, and you no. realize it's like your mom is like so into horror. Yeah, she loves Stephen King. Yes, very much so. Okay, so this movie is pretty bad, huh? It's not nowhere near as good as the last one we saw. No. Oh, you are being facetious. I hope. <laughs> Me? Because uh, on IMDb. It has a 7.6. Almost as good as Shaun of the Dead. But on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 98%. That's great. And an 87% audience score. That's wonderful. Okay. You want to tell, tell us a little bit more? Uh, the box office was something I didn't expect. It was $52,000 oh. <laughs> in the U.S. Oh, okay. Because it came but, out in 1962 in the yeah, U.S. Yeah, right? well, it was very limited. It was mostly done in double, double features. Ah. With a film called The Master. The Master. So it was people making a double commitment if they were going to go to the theater. Well, that's what they used to do back then. They'd go see a double feature for like a quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, if it cost you a quarter to go to the movies. And it made 52,000. It's for a lot of quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And most of the top reviews are, I think we actually listed off a couple of the top reviews. Yeah. On the last episode. Yeah. So give me that. Give me that bad review. The bad review from Variety is it just has, from Variety staff. So yeah. not even the person didn't want to put their name on it. Yeah, don't put your name on. It has some queasy scenes, but unclear progression and plotting direction give this an old-fashioned air. This movie. So from what year was that review from? Two thousand seven. 
<laughs> it's like 50 years later and they're like, this seems old to me. Yeah. Don't under, like, the movie came out in the 60s. They don't have very far back to go to be old fashioned. <laughs> no. I don't understand. Like, is it like a, a, one of the silent era horror movies? I know. I know. It's kind of like saying, you know, Nosferatu barely says anything at all. <laughs> so quiet. Well, I could give a couple of the positive reviews yeah. from top critics. We have David Parkinson from Empire Magazine says, Sharp as a scalpel, soft as a caress. This is a weird masterwork. Soft as a caress. That's a really beautiful... There must be a lot of heart to this, because as Emma Simmons says, George Franju's monstrous masterpiece delivers horror sans face, but with a huge heart. Wow, that's exciting. And from Tim Pertell of Entertainment Weekly says, One of those rare horror films that includes discomfort by showing practically nothing. I like it. So yeah. here's the thing about um, like movies like this. The movies that come out in the 60s or early 60s, 50s, they're supposed to be like transformative films that you know have glowing reviews. I have yet to see hardly any of them. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the, and the reason for it is... You're old? It's well. I mean, not that old, and that's the problem. Is I, I never, I always like watching older movies, but I always like watching like detective movies yeah. or westerns or something like that. Horror movies. It's weird when I think about horror movies. They're in like you. I can literally lump westerns, dramas, comedies into the same category because they all share the same thing. Now horror does too, but yeah. in my brain. Horror is in a separate, maybe comedy too, is in a separate complete uh, column because it requires you to be surprised and unnerved by something that you don't know or yeah. you know, that's unfamiliar to you. And it's, I have such a prejudice against older movies because I think I know it all. Yeah, and like, you know? oh yeah, this is just fine. I've seen something like this before. Yeah. Um, it's so funny looking at the Audacity screen because I know this stupid dog's whining is going to be, is definitely under here, right? Um, but every time I talk, it's so big. I'm sitting the furthest away from the microphone. You're loud. I know, but this is just wild. Do you have legitimate proof of how loud you are? I, it's not just that I'm loud. I'm very clear. I didn't say anything about how clear. Steve, I, like the, I really like the way that you talked about horror requiring certain things like surprise. Yeah, or at least being unaware of what's about to happen. Yeah, kind of but even so, like when I watch something like The Shining again. Yeah. Or watch like things that I know it's going to happen. There's still... If not suspension of disbelief, which does occur, right? There's still, like, when you can get drawn into the atmosphere and get drawn into the story and drawn into the, the dialogue, right? Where yeah. you're sort of not... It's almost like reading a book, right? Where you're not really paying attention to the things around you and it's like you're having this wonderful experience even though you know it's going to happen. Yeah. Right? I find that with Rob Zombie movies. Mm -hmm. Just because the atmosphere is so dense. Oh, yeah. There's so much to look at and take in that you get sucked in. And even something like Jason, which we watched all of yeah. in our courting days. Um, even that, like the Friday the 13th movie, Friday the 13th, part one and two, right? Like, 
they were just they were hypnotizing in a way. I think the music does it on those, yeah. like that and Halloween and like the seventies and eighties slasher movies. Yeah, they all used music really well. Yeah, and I, uh, I Nightmare I, on Elm Street too. There's this run in like the late two thousands to now almost where music and audio have just become a thing of the past. Where, like, you don't really see as much of it. You have to lean in because they're setting you up for a jump scare. Everything yeah, is yeah, quiet, and there's this... I've seen it More done... More atmospheric, kind of. Going yeah, back like, to that term that we keep throwing Supernatural, around. my our favorite show, which we do need to start doing our podcast <laughs> yeah. on again. Um, one of my students was like, oh, I, the Moose and Squirrel podcast is so good, because they're listening to the podcast in yeah. order, and it's like, oh, we should start that again. But, um, but in that, in the first seasons... They did play a lot with music and having the the radio, what was yeah. on the radio, what was on the mm-hmm. thing that was like the tone. John actually knows so much about music in general that he's able to name the things and explain the significance of Tell the song me. that's chosen. But fill me in, John. But in season seven and eight, there was barely any music at all. It's like their budget was gone and they yeah. didn't have it, and so and it just kind of scooped out the heart of the show. And the episodes that were really good were the ones that had music in it, that had some type of, like, background sound. And I don't know why well, a lot of, like, television and movie doesn't use sound anymore. Well, okay, we'll get to that point. But I wanted to circle back. Part of the reasons why I think that people, like, I know that The Shining gives me the heebie-jeebies is because I have a, we discussed it before, when we watched The Shining, I have a personal... Uh, connection to the movie not yeah and and i i am i was i grew up around a person like yeah yeah uh there's also ideas now and and it's different for everybody like i have a cousin we have a cousin that's scared of puppets and he refuses to watch any movie that has puppets in it yeah puppet master child's play i can tell you if i if i know it's the same cousin um then it was at his house that we watched puppet master and it's his fault that we all had to but, watch that leech go in a puppet's face. But for me, personally, that stuff has never scared yeah. me. I'm more terrified of uh, the slow, un- oncoming death. Like yeah. zombies or the blob. Yeah. Uh, you know, or like the helplessness of the futility of fighting back, like Jason or alien yeah. abductions. Uh, things like that. So, like, I can watch the same movie and it won't terrify me like the first time I saw it. But the premise and the idea of it scare me, and like yeah. stuff like you know, and that's you know that's why like you can watch The Shining, even though it came out before I was born, before you were born. Yeah, and we we but re- not before John was born. Yeah, it came out before I was born. Really? I thought it came. We found out that it came out like right after you were born. I thought it came out in seventy-seven. I thought it came out in seventy-eight, like a month after you were born. Oh, never mind. It was 1980. Ah, but getting back to the music, there is a theory about music, about how human beings are we're one of the few that, you know, we're the, one of the land-based mammals that don't communicate with singing. Mm-hmm. You know, birds do it, or mammals, animals. Birds do it, and you know, anything in the trees, they do it, right? It, one of the theories is that when we came down out of the trees... We could not communicate by singing anymore because we were, there was predation. We were being hunted by other animals. Yeah. If we made noise, that means that people were going to come in and kill us. That's why at one of the re- some pe- people think that music is so important to people 
is because it goes back to way in, in our ancestry yeah. where that's how we communicated a good bit was by that, by those call and responses that you hear yeah. by Mars, you know, uh, tree dwellers and stuff. When yeah. we came down, we lost that ability. So when you hear music in TV or in uh, scary movies and stuff like that, it can it connects you to that and it accentuates what you're looking at as opposed to you just trying to rationalize what you're seeing on TV or on the screen because if you're just staring at something with no music you give more you're more of a chance to see like oh this person's going to try to come this yeah. way and if I was going to do this I was going to go that way yeah but, but the, and the music is able to just kind of kind of hold cut your you. brain off just a little yes. bit to where you're not focused in like that you know that uh survivor that yeah. you know, apex predator version of you is not looking at it going well, I would just run this way and this way, but you're listening yeah. to the music as well, and it's connecting to something, and it's dragging your, you know, that caveman part of you away from what you're seeing and allowing you to experience more wow, of what you're doing. Wow, that is really fascinating, thinking about experiencing something as the protagonist. That's just how, yeah, that's Versus how I do, as yeah. the, like, well, basically... As the predator, or like the the human being is like the apex predator is like we we can find the way out that our yeah. brains are the most smart thing or whatever, but in the with the music we're able to kind of experience things almost like the person in in exactly. media res right because in real life you don't get to have the secondary yeah and look you're not MC. running through the woods in high heels no but no like the ability to you know is suspending of disbelief. Yeah. But it's also the ability to place yourself in the, in the feet of the person that you're viewing on screen. And music helps you do that because it allows you to disassociate with reality yeah. enough to view it. That's fascinating. So, John. Yes. I don't think I'm that loud. <laughs> I mean, I think I just have a voice for radio. Sure. But I wasn't loud enough for Dick to hear me all the time at dinner. He's deaf. Well, there you go. It's our... Um, oh, that's yeah. right. Anyway, so let's transition into other loud fun stuff. I Is there a bunch of nudie bits in this movie, John? Um, well, we go to the parents' guide for that. Yeah. And you're going to be disappointed. What? Their sex and nudity is none. Oh, man. Just watch something else. Just watch the warning stuff. Yes, that's what I want. This might cheer you up. Under the violence and gore, the first listing is this movie is extremely violent for its time. Yay! Cool. Yes. Considering the murder rate in the 1960s versus today. A lot of, well, (laughs) there's a lot of listings here. Most of them are about incisions and surgical procedures and blood and incisions and... One is, several large dogs are seen mauling a man. We later see his ravaged body along with his torn, bloody face. Ravaged body. Nice. So that sounds wonderful. Sexy. Profanity? You're going to be disappointed with this, too? None. Oh, man. You don't get to hear me say the F word today. Yeah. I I don't get to see any French words that are curse words. (laughs) Nope. Merde. There's a lot of smoking. (laughs) Zutalo. Well, it is a French film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also a film in 1960, right? And the frightening and intense scenes are moderate. There's a facial removal scene. <laughs> Face. Oh. Sounds great. Yeah, Nicholas Cage is prepared for this yeah. movie. <laughs> Various other scenes that may be frightening, including the killing of women and dumping of bodies into water, as well as dogs attacking a man's face. Well, they've really uh, well, at least pulled it's not up people on this. attacking dogs. I can handle dogs. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he wins the fight. That sounds really dogs. awesome. 
So, <laughs> what do you have anything else to share with us about this film? No, because I don't want to try to pronounce any of the actors' names <laughs> or the director's can I, names. Can I see? If only someone in here could speak French. Oh, if only well, someone... Pierre Brassard, I would be fine Brassard? with that. Yeah. Well, Edith Scobb is okay. also in this. Alida Valley. Okay. So these weren't so bad. Yeah. Francois Guerin. Yeah. Juliette Maniel. Yeah. Alexandre Rignault. Renault. Renault, probably. And Beatrice Altabar, Altariba. Okay. Well, that doesn't sound French. That is who a is the Beatrice? <laughs> Where is, um, who's the director again? Uh, I mentioned his name already, I believe. I don't think you did. These it was directed by George Franjou. It's one of Tarantino's okay. early works. Man, there's a lot of rioters on mm. this one. Yes. They probably got um, sent in Scrippy rights a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm super excited to see this. And I think that you don't want to give us too much information about it. No, I try to. So we should probably just watch it. Yeah, we kind of have the gist. All right, let's go. We are half an hour in. We have a fire going in our electric fireplace, which is quite nice. Very yeah. atmospheric. Oh, atmosphere. That's my favorite word. We're all fancy pants watching a French movie. <laughs> We're watching a French movie that's been pretty great. Not bad so far. Starts, it's all set up. Starts off with a woman that is a like is pushing a dead body into a river. Mm-hmm. Or might not have been totally dead. That was dead. Yeah. It was de- totally dead. And that body did not have a face. Then we've got a doctor giving a lecture about facial transplants, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, about what needs to be possible with radiation and changing the biology of the host in order to accept the new face. But it wouldn't work because it would have too much radiation and you'd die. And you'd die. And you got or maybe what it would work with exsanguination, which is very exciting. Um, it was in a very fancy place because this is a fancy doctor who's very fancy and rich people love him. And then he gets taken to the morgue to see the body of the, this girl that he claims is his daughter. But there's another guy who's missing his daughter too. And he didn't get to look at the body. No. Because no. it's definitely the doctor's daughter. Yeah. And they have a funeral. And it turns out the woman, like, moving the body around was actually the secretary assistant. Yeah. And the daughter is alive. She is. But she doesn't have a face. She has eyes (laughs) without a face. Yeah, there it is. Yep, and she wears a cool mask. So what are your thoughts? We're 30 minutes in, by the way. It's been very... I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been all set up. Yes. But, yeah, it's doing a good job at that. Yeah, the the doctor has basically performed the scam so people aren't going to be looking for her, which is unclear why that's necessary. I guess because he's going to have to kill a lot of ladies to take their faces, <laughs> and he doesn't want them to think it, have it come back to him. He's going to come back, oh no, this is my daughter. This is my daughter. Honestly though, I hope in future bodies that he that they just get rid of, that they do more than just cut off the face, because like, they're going to start wondering why does everyone have their face cut off. Yeah. And there's also a facial transplant expert in the town. Yeah. Well, remember, they, they, ruled, they chalked up the uh, woman missing her face to rats. Yes. Yeah. So they, like, if they find bodies washing up in, without a face, 
They're going to clearly think that the rats did. Yeah. Because apparently they have a huge rat problem wherever it is. Well, dude, Paris has a huge rat problem. Yeah, they mentioned Paris. It has a huge rat problem. Right. It's really bad. Like, I was in a um, in a park with a friend of mine in Paris when I was there for the summer, and we just keep hearing the, thing, the bushes rustle, and we just assume that it's, like, little squirrels and stuff, and we, like, take our phones and shine a light, and it's, like, hundreds of rats. Oh, <laughs> It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Well, the daughter is not happy. No, she no. wishes She's, she was just dead. Yeah, she has no face. She blames Dad for driving recklessly. And the secretary is really into the dad because the secretary redid her face after a horrible accident, too. Mm-hmm. Huh? But she still had a face to work with. Right. Okay, should we go? Yeah. Okay. So we are another half an hour in. We're going based on my potty breaks. Yep. <laughs> because, I don't know, I think it's kind of entrancing. Okay, so what do you guys think? What's happened? It's still, it's slow. I mean, if you're used to a modern horror movie, it's very, very slow. There's a lot of horror in the concept of what's happening. Yeah. And in a way that I like because it's very, it's presented very differently than it would be in other movies or even in like an American movie. So you've got the... I guess maid, secretary, nurse, or whatever of the doctor, she goes into town, into Paris, kind of befriends women to try to get to lure them into the manor. Yep. And because she needs faces, right? She needs faces for face transplants. So she she lures this woman and she tells her, "Oh, I I finally found a room for you, yep. right? So because finding somewhere to live as a young single woman at you know any time is going to be difficult, definitely yeah. in the '60s. Um, and so she's like, "Oh, I'll drive you." She's like, "Oh, where in Paris is it? I'll drive you there." Yeah, it's not in Paris. They yeah. drive from when it's daytime to when it's dark. <laughs> and she's like, like "Oh, well, I took the long way." I took the long way round, but the train is twenty minutes away. But like the house is like a twenty-minute drive from the train. And they get to the mansion, and this girl has got, like, no thank you vibes. And the yeah. guy's like, oh, let me give you some port. <laughs> and she's like, I'm good. I actually think we should go. Yeah. Let meet somebody. Which yeah. is just fantastic. So, basically, they lure this woman in, give her some chloroform, which definitely works in seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they, they proceed to take her to the secret lab. Which is in some, like, in this weird chambers of, like, you go through the garage, you go through a secret door, and then you get into this, like, weird vestibule area that's castle-y scariness, and where they've set up a lab, and the daughter, the girl with that only has eyes in a, without a face, has come downstairs to follow them. She's wearing the most insane outfit. Yeah, you noticed that right away. She yeah. First of all, she's wearing a mask that looks so realistic. Yeah, it's very odd. Well, to see. tell about the uh, what you told us about the Halloween mask. Yeah, John. Oh, in the trivia and researching this, um, John Carpenter said that the Halloween mask was based on this one, or right. it's kind of an homage. Yeah, and it does look similar. It looks similar and has the same kind of thing where you're just really creeped out. Yeah, it looks too close to real. 
I think it's actually William Shatner's face, isn't it? Yeah, it's a William Shatner well, mask. Yeah, the Halloween mask. That they painted white. But that wasn't... I don't think that was the original Halloween mask. Yeah. I think they lost it, and that was like, we have to run out and get a mask. Yeah, it was oh. a quick replacement or yeah. something like that. Oh, yeah. okay. So, in any case, though, um, they... 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 Ratchet this girl. They put this girl on um, an opera and a gurney, and the woman without a face. She's wearing this like nineteen sixties house coat, and if you know what that is, you know what that is. But it's basically a very fancy, you know, like coat thing that goes all the way down, almost to the ground. It goes right above her ankles, but she's got underneath it some kind of ball gown dress with crinoline that's poking out. So as she walks, you can see the dress kind of move in form with her body. As she, It's almost like she's floating around like a ghost. It's very bizarre. So she goes into this room. She sees the body on the gurney. Any other movie, it's like that would be her freaking out and trying to do something. Instead, she lo- takes off her mask and looks at her face, touches the other woman's face, and then... When that woman wakes up and screams, she just goes and hangs out with some dogs. Well, yeah. She did that first. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. did the dogs. Yeah. So, they, uh, the professor has in his castle a kennel at the very bottom of it with the most ineffective dog cages I think I've ever seen. So he has n- none of the dogs are under like a hundred pounds. I think they're both they're all big dogs, and they're all able to like. Their cages with the top open and the fronts are slanted inwards. Yeah. So the Stops dogs them from jumping out. Yeah, the dogs are able to get put their paws over the edges. And these are massive, There's violent looking German dogs. Shepherds. Yes. Yeah, German shepherds and big dogs with big jaws. And we do see a scene where someone brings him a German shepherd. And the idea is that people just abandon. They get puppies and then they at two or so they're no longer fun, so they abandon them in the woods. Yeah. And the doctor is so nice because he takes in all these strays and puts them into cages in the dungeons. Yes. Which probably, if it's an old castle, was a kennel at some point. There yeah. probably was a kennel. Yeah. yeah. Release the hounds. Yes, I'm excited. We <laughs> There is supposed to be a scene where a dude gets his face eaten. Yeah. I think it's going to be the fiancé. I'm the hoping fiance it's or the, the doctor. I think it's going to be the fiancé because there's no... Um, God in France. My brain <laughs> says fiance, but my heart says professor. My heart also says professor. My brain says fiance thinks that because the fiance's been getting phone calls from this house. Yeah, because she keeps calling just to hear his voice. Yeah. His little voice. We only so, got about thirty minutes left in the movie, so we don't have to hurry the hell up and get over. But it's all here. his it's all him being angry. Like Hello? She, she calls him to hear his voice, and he's like, Stop calling! What oh, is this? <laughs> yeah. Stop it. And so the woman, Edna, is the name of the woman that they've lured in for yeah. the with the idea of yeah. getting a cheap room. Edna wakes up, and she's in, a, in, a, in like, gauzes and stuff right there. The doctor hasn't decided whether or not to murder her yet. Right? So so tells this his assistant just to feed her. It's fine. And so... Edna wakes up, clobbers the assistant on the head with a wine bottle because it's France, mm-hmm. and then starts running. She tries to get out, can't get out, so she runs into the main area of the house. And instead of running out the front door... They're big doors, too. They're hard to miss. Big door in the front, 
She goes upstairs to like the third floor and jumps out a window. Yeah. And Doesn't make it. Dies. Mm-hmm. But she did just have major surgery on her face, so maybe not thinking the best. She might have been drugged. She could have been drugged. She definitely was running around very fast. She was scampering. Yeah. She yeah. was scampering. She had a lot of energy. But uh, that was pretty wild. And so now they've got to deal with this other body without a face. <laughs> it's very exciting and fun. Yeah. Should we go? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Y'all, these French people sure didn't know how to make a movie. Yeah, that was, uh, it got better at the end, too. Was it bad? I don't think it was I don't think it was bad. I think it was just kind of slow. I mean, that was kind of the point, though. Yeah. Maybe for people that like to fall asleep during movies. Yep. So, basically, there was a woman that was in the police station for just a very minor petty theft. And the, meanwhile, and she was a beautiful woman. Meanwhile, the uh, doctor lover, the doctor fiance, uh, has been getting phone calls, and finally, the like the woman with eyes and no face said his name or something, and then he realized she was alive. So he ends up setting up the sting operation with the cops with this woman. Yeah. That's, and they just the cops send her to the hospital, having dyed her hair, and she's checked in to basically lure the doctor into kidnapping her. Yeah. But the cops do not check on her during this at all. Oh, she's expendable bait. So she is caught, and they know she didn't make it back to Paris because she called home, said she was on her way home, and then, you know, she got snatched on her way home. They know she didn't make it back home, and all they thought was, well, I guess she's fine. Yeah. She she started walking towards the bus right near this guy's house. It's yeah, probably they, fine. They released her from the hospital. Yeah, and so what happened was the uh, the doctor is about to cut into her face... And during the surgery scene, when the cops at the hospital had stopped by to check on her and to see where she was. And so he had to leave the surgery. She wakes up and the daughter slash woman with eyes and no face has just had enough because she doesn't really believe it's going to work. Yeah, she's been saying that all along. She's like been saying it all along and it almost worked. And then it didn't, which is worse. And she realized this is her dad is... Like experimenting, experimenting on her, like he's experimenting on all these dogs, and so she releases the woman, and then kills the the one lady, the, the pearl secretary. lady, the secretary, and then releases all the dogs. Who then kill the doctor? The doctor, but and then she lets a bunch of birds go and walks off into the woods. And what I love about it is she's not. This good guy that's been trapped in this horrible situation where she, you know, she's trying to get us like, no, she's like a weirdo. And she does this thing, not necessarily to save that girl's life. She didn't care about the girl at all, but she did. She cared enough to let her go. Yeah, I guess she could have just let her die there. Yeah. But she didn't want to live that way. Yeah. As an experiment all the time. There's some gruesome stuff. Doctor got his face eaten. Yeah, the dogs bawling him was a great scene. It was really good. There were so many puppies. They were good, good, good boys and girls, I think. So, would you give it, uh, what was out of ten, what would you give it? Yeah, I'd, I'd follow the IMDb and give it a seven. Oh, okay. Steve? It ain't better than Shaun of the Dead. That's for damn sure. I'd no, but IMDb gave Shaun of the Dead a six, really? Yeah, I get, well, only because it felt like the ending kind of rushed to a conclusion. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I mean, well, basically, 
you had the setup where they were going to use the woman as bait, and then and at this time, no one knows what's going on. Yeah. The only three people that know what's going on are the the daughter, the secretary, and the dad. Yeah. And this was five minutes before the movie ends. Yeah. No one knows what's going on. They have a suspicion that the secretary has something to do with it. Yes. And then within that span of five minutes, everything gets resolved. Yeah. And well, we me, don't actually see anything. So the secretary dies, the dad dies, and she leaves. But we don't see the girl get home. We don't see the 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 boyfriend doesn't oh, no, get no, back no. with her. But see, there were so many red herrings in this. Yeah. Like so, the cops that was red herring. The boyfriend. Yeah. That was red herring. The woman, even was a red herring. They really have nothing to do with the conclusion of the movie. They were just there to draw you away from what was actually going to happen. And it's just that you had an hour and 25 minutes of setup. Yeah. And then it just kind of rushes it out the door. It's almost like there's a director's cut of this movie. But I just I just <laughs> like, kind of love that, though. I love that the daughter, the woman without a face, was being experimented on she realizes she's being experimented on and really just doesn't want to do it because she wa she wants to die they won't let her this entire time she's just wanted to die which we talked about before like that guy really loved her he probably would have just married her without a face he probably would. she didn't need a face for any of this like she could still eat and drink and like wear a mask probably yeah. would be fine uh, this, this movie probably could have used another 30 minutes I, I mean, I wouldn't mind another 30 minutes. It's a damn good movie. Yeah. I liked it. I think it's, once again, that you guys are poo-poo. No, it's not that it was... A, uh, it was old-fashioned. Yeah. It was It was too old-fashioned. It was too old-fashioned. Oh. There it is. John, what are we watching next? Well, we get to spin the wheel of So Bad It's Good. Let's let Steve in touch it. It's almost okay. his birthday. So bad it's good. Oh, just, just, just touch a small it. wheel anyway. so far. We yes. haven't really populated it too much. Ripper. No, no more Ripper. Ripper 2. Leprechaun! Hey! Oh, that's yeah. awesome! The, uh, the film debut of Jennifer Aniston, yeah. if I remember correctly. I'm the Leprechaun. Of the Irish. Ooh. The luck of the Irish. And ship. Ooh. To a little town in South Dakota. South Dakota. Luck may have just run out. Wait, that was shipped with a four-leaf clover on top the entire time. That's pretty impressive. Magic. Ellie, Ellie Pier. Pier. Oh, oh I had man. Ellie I just said she was like that. Yeah. There she That's is. Right. Jennifer Aniston. Do you think she's still proud of this role? I would think so. Probably. Later career. He got my ear. Oh, that guy. Oh my god, this looks amazing. I'm sure you weirdos would be like 7.9 out of 10. This might be a 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this spawned so many sequels, too. Yeah. Oh, he was in PB's Big Adventure. Ah. The big guy, he was the neighbor who always wanted to take so PB's bike. They end up in an old house with cobwebs everywhere? Oh, Jennifer Aniston knows how to use a shotgun. Not really, she just ejected around from the shotgun. Oh, no. Is that what happens when you pump a shotgun? Yeah. Oh. Oh, no. It's a leopard. 
Leprechaun. It's out. No, this one it's has um Willow, right? Is Warwick it? Davis. Warwick Davis. Yeah. I heard they're making a Willow too. Yeah, they are. But it doesn't have Val Kilmer because he can't do well, it. No, but Warwick Davis, who is Willow. Is I know, Warwick but Davis. like, come on. Well, there it is. That's very exciting. I am excited about this. Are you excited about this, John? I'm excited about this. Well, are you excited about this, Steve? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, quick gross's corner. We missed it, but mine was when they, uh, definitely when they were slowly cutting off the face of the first face woman. That that was was slow. That was good. That was good. Yeah. There's lots of cuts and pulls. Very realistic. Yeah. Pulling it slowly. Yeah, and then at the end of it, it looks so gross, and it's like, I mean, honestly... Incredibly impressive special effects. Yeah, for the time, for sure. Yeah. How about you guys, Gross's Corner? Was it the dog? Was it the no, face? It's, no, I could watch a I could watch a bad guy get eaten by a dog. Yeah. Was it, it the woman getting it was her the face woman cut getting off? Getting her face yeah, cut off. Probably. Edna. Because the only other gross spot was when, um, she revealed herself without her. Yeah. Without her Which mask wasn't on. that bad. It was just no. someone that had horrible scar tissue. What on their happened face? in that car wreck? Her Did face. She like grind her face <laughs> on the pavement. They took her face off. Yeah. We don't have a Brewer's Bruise. Nick Cage was the EMT. We we don't have a Brewer's Bruise for this week because no. um, we didn't we weren't drinking. Uh, we did eat some York peppermint patty. Steve, I brought you one. Oh great! If you want one, I had water. There's just two things left to do, John. Uh, stay scared and stay married. Goodbye. of our podcast is Fire and Ice Rock Mix by Stefan Kartenberg copyright 2017 licensed under a Creative Commons attribution share alike license thank you Stefan